When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. With Vanguard advice, no matter what your retirement goals are, they can help you get there and enjoy it for years to come. The financial journey is all yours, but you never have to take it alone. That's the value of ownership. Visit Vanguard.com and explore Vanguard advice. All investing is subject to risk. Fund shareholders own the funds that own Vanguard. Services are provided by Vanguard Advisors, Inc., a registered investment advisor. Okay, here's, here's the match reaction for Everton 1, Leicester 1. Bloody hell. It must have been 94, 95 minutes when Richards has scored that equaliser there. We'll take it. Terrible performance, big tonight in the main. But they kept at it, they kept going. And they got a point which could prove to be massive, absolutely massive at the end of the season now. Uh, Frank Lampard is coming over now, applauding the, uh, the fans. This team is going to kill me off, I swear. The army must be through the roof. Richard is just coming over to the Gladys Street end now. Uh, giving a share to somebody in the crowd. Missed a couple of massive chances tonight. They could have potentially made it a bit easier for us, but that deflected goal just got us over the line to a point in the end. Come on. This team is just... They're not great, but at home, there's just something about them. There's a little bit of something about them. They just they keep at it and keep going. And that's two... Go- that's four... Four points effectively been salvaged in two of the last three games at Goodison. And it's. Yeah. I don't know what to make of them, but we're four points ahead of Burnley now. Same game played. They've got Southampton tomorrow. Obviously, we've got a med side down, but leave it the weekend. But fuck me. I feel like my head's going to explode. The scenes in the end there when that, that went in. 
I mean, right behind where I sit, it took about, must have took about 10, 15 seconds to nestle in the bottom corner. Fair play to Leicester, thought they were well, but for far as a cracking player. Juice before was his excellence, but those toffees got a massive point. And what might that be worth in a month or so's time? Well, next time you hear me speak here, I'll be in the boozer with Mark Boozer, Keith Tomlin, and Matt Flusk. I don't know what you speak of that, but just yeah, this team, what can you say about them? They're not very good. They've not got much quality, but here at Goodison Park, we've got a bit of bottle about them. So we'll get into the instant match reaction after this. We're back in the Denby Castle. I've got Keith Tomlin, Matt Flusk, and Mark Mosey with me. Uh, been a while since the final whistle blew. Uh, lads, should Everton have won, drew, or lost that game? I I don't know. I think there's going to be a few disagreements around this table. Who who wants to go first? Matt wants to go first. Yeah, we should have lost that. One million percent. We had no business getting a point or three from that game. We were dreadful and they were on their game. That was a full strength Leicester side. As your guest earlier in the week said on the Blue Room Extra, they were always going to put a full strength side out tonight. Best players of the weekend for the semi-final that they had. So, and they were reasonably okay for a, what, what is seventh, are they? Yeah. Still seventh. So, like, they, they played like a seventh place side and it was a, a world away from the Man United game in that these were not shite so yeah. we had our work cut out for us from the first whistle and they showed that within the four minutes that they scored and to be honest yeah I mean it, it was always going to take something stuffy and lucky and I mean we've had a couple of those you, you said to me Matt on the way out that our oh, last five goals have been deflections or penalties like that's the kind of luck you need if you're going to stay up in this league and that's not the kind of goal that you score and that's not the kind of result that you get at the end of a game if you are a relegation side so I'll take it all day I think from a, from a gameplay point of view, I, I, I don't think you can really make the argument that we were good value for a point, as you say. Um, I found myself all frustration I had from the first half probably came with a massive undertone of jealousy because they were incredibly comfortable and assured in possession. And it's it's everything that I think you could sense from the angst around Goodison Park. Yeah, it, we obviously concede nearly goal, which doesn't help this, but... If a team want to come to Goodison and frustrate us and keep the crowd quiet and kind of nullify all of that positive feeling that we've built up over the last five games, you don't let us have a kick of the football. And, and that's exactly what they did. Um, incredibly comfortable at the back. <clears throat> and when they did get forward, they were they were relatively clinical. Um, that said, if, if I'm looking back at the game now from a chance creation point of view, bar the goal at Leicester score and Everton trying their best at the moment to fall on their arse and give them a second there wasn't really an overwhelming sense that Leicester were were really pushing us and that's it yeah he had a, a relatively quiet game whereas I look at Everton and think excluding the goal we've probably created our two best chances of the last six to ten games in, in Richarlison's header in the second half and 
that thing that we won't speak about in the first half. I've got absolutely no idea what went on there, but I don't know what, what wins you football games, being comfortable in possession or creating good chances and putting them in the back of the net. And I think in the situation that we're in at the moment, we've been quite blessed in recent weeks that we have had you know good results coupled with good performances. A lot of luck as well. We have. Yeah. Not, not only our own, but certainly with other teams as well. Um, I, I don't think we can realistically look at the next seven games and think we're going to play really well and we're going to get points in all of them and that's how we're going to stay in the league. We're, we're occasionally going to be outplayed because we're 17th in the league and we're playing against the Brendan Rodgers side that are, are very well gelled, as we saw tonight. But we are going to create chances. And, you know, regardless of what your overriding argument is for the reason why Everton will stay in this league, I think a relatively popular one is the fact that Everton have got clinical attacking players and when we create chances we'll probably score more goals than the likes of Watford and Burnley and yes we could have had more tonight but I I guarantee that teams around us will be in similar situations with three or four minutes left of games and they'll get a half chance but they won't have Richarlison and and that is hopefully what's going to be the difference for us I think um, going back back to your starting point Everton deserved nothing from that game tonight Um, and what's annoying is it was a very winnable game. Like, for me, Leicester weren't good tonight. Leicester were competent. They got an early goal and then they passed the ball around. And there was a, there was a worrying lack of fight and effort about Everton for 85 minutes tonight. In that, like, you saw against United, yeah, United weren't great, but at least 10 of the out, at least sorry, seven or eight of the outfield players, sorry pressed every single ball you can't say that tonight tonight it was maybe three or four players pressed non-stop from the start and the others were hiding the others were standing off and that was evidenced in the fact that like from about 15 minutes in they were passing the ball around the back and their fans were giving it all A's <laughs> and I don't think we kicked the ball for about 20 minutes and that's not good enough when you're in the position Everton Football Club are in at the moment every single player on the blue shirt on that pitch has to be chasing every single ball has to be fighting for every single even if you don't get it you force the player to play it back so be it that's what that's like you take that but their centre halves had so much time on the ball to look up and pick a pass in midfield and when we had the ball their players were pressing our centre-halves, their players were pressing our defenders every single time. And they were forcing mistakes. A big thing for me tonight was a lot of players looked nervous on the ball. Whereas on uh, uh, Saturday past, they all wanted the ball, they all wanted to take the ball in because there was a positive thing going. Tonight we started off on a negative and as a result, players didn't want the ball. Um, for an example, Fabian Delft was hiding. He did not want to take the ball in the midfield. When he took the ball in the midfield, he played it off first time back to a centre-half, turned and ran up the pitch, didn't want it back. Same happened with Alan. Anthony Gordon stayed out on his wing. He didn't drop in looking for the ball like he normally does. Richarlison didn't press to the level that he pressed against United. Damari Gray the less said about his performance tonight the better he was he was awful um, he's is, just... is this what happens though when 
you've got a makeshift side. And, you know, let, you know, I, I don't think anyone here is an acolyte for, for Brendan Rodgers by any means, but ultimately they're a team that have been together now for four years. They've had a lot, a lot of time to work together. You could, you could see that in the way they press the ball, couldn't you? Whereas this Everton team at the moment is... It's a hodgepodge of various players. Well, you know, our, our midfield at the moment is Awobi, Alan and Delph. And if, if you went back even a couple of months ago and said that's going to be your start midfield for a really important game against Leicester, <laughs> people, would have gone, people would have gone off the red, wouldn't they? And that, it feels like that's just sort of where we are at the moment. I mean, I'll say Delph earned his start tonight on Saturday because he, he had a very good game against United. Um, but tonight... It was straight back to the, the status quo that we've seen from him in that like he just doesn't look interested when it when it's not going his way, he just doesn't want to know. He's not one of those that will get in and battle for everything. Um Alan was I think for for Delph and Alan you were about to go on to Alan and I think that's up because everything that you said about Delph you could probably transfer straight over. 100%, and yeah. I think that so they they will, you know, an advancing time and age is absolutely not going to help this, but they will eternally struggle against players who've got a greater mobility than them. And unfortunately, yeah. most most teams in the league have got someone like that. A team who hasn't got someone like that are Man United. And, you know, they're, they're a side low on confidence who are happy to play a lot of sideways and backwards balls because of that. And if you want to play the game in front of pe- people like Alan and Delph, then they'll they'll swallow that up all day. The problem you see is when Jusby Hall breaks through the middle of the park, or Alan gets dragged over to the paddock in the second half and creates a cynical foul because he runs like he's running through treacle, and and that's just it's the epitome of why Everton are in the position that they are at the moment. In that the core of their team is weak, and you know. It, We've talked endlessly about that particular area of the pitch for Everton and it, it looks as though it's something that needs addressing in the summer yet again. But I think it's important what you said about the the organised nature of Leicester's press. I, I didn't at any point see Everton's centre-halves getting, you know, aggressively charged down in a way that you'd expect someone like Jamie Vardy to do ordinarily, for example, or in the way that you saw Richarlison and, and Iwobi do. And I don't want to discredit their effort by calling it a headless chicken mentality, but it, it, it did get to that stage at times. Whereas, as you say, Leicester are well drilled. You know, like all over Brendan Rodgers, when a manager's been there so long and been as successful as he has, the players know exactly what the blueprint of, of going away to Goodison Park is. You well, know. just waited until we passed it to midfield and then we went in there. The best way to put Everton under pressure is not to lag at them at 100 mile an hour. Sometimes it's to identify what players are you're happy to have the ball and then to allow them to have the ball because Everton will find their own ways to put pressure on themselves and, and that that is what we are so <laughs> capable of doing. But, you know, it's... <laughs> it's about, it's about shooting ourselves in the foot. But yeah, that, that is, for, for any team who've ever been to Goodison Park and had a successful afternoon, you, you use your your game mind to know that that is the way to break us down and you know we, we did shoot ourselves in the fuss of times in possession but it's the, the dangerous nature of what Everton have been doing in recent weeks is that we, we are so focused on intensity that you know there will be spells in every game where that works you might get five minutes you might get 95 minutes and we've been blessed with that in recent weeks but 
you're just going to have to hold your hands up if that's your if that's your mentality and say, well, at times we are not going to be able to replicate that minute by minute. And you know, Leicester, for my money in particular, in the first half, played with a relatively dangerous level of freedom as far as Everton are concerned because they they've got nothing to play for really. What European qualification? Yeah, you know, yes, it's important to them, but. I raise you life-threatening relegation to that. Um, but they, they look like a team who were willing to take the occasional risk, you know, play through the lines. As Keith said, someone like Fabian Delph for so many reasons and Everton as a club for so many reasons are not in a position to take those sorts of risks at the moment. And it, it's only when it gets to that do-or-die scenario where Everton has simply have to throw everything at it that all of the aggression and all of the passion that we talk about suddenly seems to make sense and you know the last 20 minutes was absolutely the time for that today but the interesting point for me is on the back of United and and you know what but potentially on the back of hopefully still being four points clear with a game in hand after this weekend are, able, are Everton able to have that fairly composed performance against a, a Crystal Palace or a Watford where they just consolidate all of the hard work that they've done against United and Leicester I think, four points from those two games you know we all would have taken that one we, yeah absolutely yeah. yeah and you know what we, we looked at these what five games you know, if, if we were to have won tonight, the, the five games that we've got, the double header against Leicester, uh, Chelsea, Liverpool, and United, every one of us would have bitten your hand off for six points. And you know, if, if we were able to get to that milestone tonight, fantastic. But we, we'd have all took four going into, you know, the loss on Sunday, and then the, trying to get trying to get an extra two or three points from that Chelsea and Leicester game. I don't look at Everton at the moment and think that that's not doable. Uh, and if we are to come out with the next three games with three points from it, I think I think we'd be in a, a much better scenario than we ever thought we would be. Um, yeah, it's, it's Mark who scored that was it ninety second or ninety third minutes equaliser, and everyone seems really flat. We've taken something tonight that we didn't deserve, and. Let's be honest, that point at the end of the day could be the difference between Everton existing as a football club in five yeah. years or Everton not, um, because that's how serious relegation is for Everton as a football club. Let's not be about the bush here. If Everton go down with the way the finances are of the club, it's like 99% likely that they will go the way of a Portsmouth and a Sunderland and go down again within a couple of years. We don't have the finances to bounce straight back. We are not in a good way. Survival is essential for the future of Everton Football Club. So, if that point today, if a scruffy deflected winner in the 92nd uh, equaliser, sorry, in the 92nd <laughs> minute, getting carried away with myself <laughs> go, over yeah. how much it's I celebrated. I want, I want to get carried away right? a little bit, yeah. Um, if that's the difference between Everton going down and staying up, then... I, I'll celebrate that like a cup win and I'm, I'm not ashamed to say it because that's that's where, that's where we're at right now as a club and um, like I I went through Everton in the 90s going through relegation battles what two three times um, two the end of the season two last day of the season relegation battles one in 99 where we probably should have gone down 98, uh, 98 sorry um, where Kevin Campbell put a year on your life Kevin Campbell <laughs> dragged us they've put about five years on my life today honestly like 
I was doing all right with grey hair until tonight, and it's just it's just come like crawling right back through. Um, so, well done to just for men because they're gonna they're gonna get a fair investment off me for the rest of the season. Um, They'd be a great sponsor for us. I think they would, yeah. Any, anyone to do a pair and hair treatment. Them. Everton, Evertonians, hair's falling out. You know, it'd be amazing. Them and like sertraline and like oh, any sort of a, <laughs> any sort of antidepressant sponsor Everton because like we, we need it. As a football club, you know like occasionally when you got an away game, like Palace, where Everton paid for a lot of coach, paid for the coaches, Instead of that, Everton should be paying for counselling for their supporters for what they put us through. Just for men. Vouchers with your season ticket. Yeah, season ticket. A season ticket, a box of men, a 45 minute free counselling session, and some sort of, like Matt said, they're like a diazepam. Just. We are. Oh, it's horrible, isn't it? Or, like. I'll, I'll push in if you're listening. We'll uh, we'll have, we'll have some of that. Uh, but just want to, just wants to finish off by uh, speaking on a couple of plays. Matt uh, Richarlison missed two guilt edge chances tonight. Really, we're being brutally honest. But I think it would have been a bit horrible on him if we'd come off that pitch one 0 and he'd been the one that missed the chances because over the last few weeks he, he has been the one who's been mucking it. He's the one who's been trying. He's played across the front line. I think, like as Keith said. Probably wasn't wasn't as endeavorous with his pressing tonight, but as much as the goals haven't been coming for him and the assists haven't been coming for him, he's the one that's that's really mucked in over the last few weeks, isn't he? Yeah, he. I mean, I felt for him really. I was obviously frustrated in the moment with the misses, but like you say, he's the he's the guy more than anyone else, maybe other than Tony Gordon, who will have dragged us across that line if we get across it. And I can't fault him for that at all. And. It just wasn't as nice, basically. You know, he, he often, he puffed, he, like you say, he didn't run around as much, but he didn't really throw any strops or nothing like that. And I mean, t- to be honest, he was quite lucky to stay on the pitch. That um, was a bit of a dodgy challenge yeah, on Madison. Right underneath me, that. And like everyone jumped up, and I was like, ah, oh, fuck off. And I just had to, and I just turned to my dad and went, he'll be lucky to stay on here. He didn't look at the ball once. Is that the one where he went charging over like a ball into the, the, the right basically foot? Yeah. It was like he was jumping to win the header, but I mean, at no point Pat- did he look at the ball, at no point did he flick his net. He just carried on with the momentum and just went clock. It's James Madison, so he absolutely deserves a fa- an elbow <laughs> in the face. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, yeah, you know. It was an act of class war. It was an act of class war, so it's perfectly fine. But. These are my opinions and not the opinions of the Blue Room as an institution. But James Madison deserves smashing in the face at any possible opportunity. On a football pitch where, you know, appropriate retribution by the authorities can be exacted. But. Exactly, yeah. No, yeah. Don't, don't just go up to him in the street and elbow him. No, no. But if you're ever on a football pitch with him and play 90 minutes of football against him, like, and the, re- the referee's not looking, have a dig, have a go. I wouldn't. I would never dig him in the street because, like most of the Leicester players, I probably couldn't pick him out of a lineup. They've got proper regen faces, haven't they? Their whole team. Oh, he just absolutely reeks of Love Island, doesn't he? He's he's just a generic Love Island character, James Madison. I don't know. I don't watch it. Kieran Dewsbury Hall sounds like a wedding venue and a regen at the same time. Doesn't he? <laughs> right. I think I've been thrown out of there before. <laughs> well, while while we're going in on Leicester. While we're going fully in on Leicester, do can I need, we, do I need to stop recording here? Or? No, no, no. We, we can just can we just have a, a moment, like 
I'm not generalising every single Leicester City supporter because I'm sure there's some nice fellas that follow Leicester but them lot that were in the away end tonight were horrible like how are you singing Feed the Scousers in April right how are you singing We'll Pay Your Benefits when Leicester has an 8% unemployment rate which is 4% higher than the national average when there is 25,000 children in Leicester in poverty and you're singing Feed the Scousers what a horrible vile bunch they are and like genuinely if you're if you decide that poverty is banter at football you you don't deserve to be going to football matches you need legging and the ones around them should be calling it out and it's the sort of thing if i ever heard that sort of thing from an everton crowd like decrying poverty every week i'd be calling them out immediately and asking what they're playing at but it's like a mob mentality in it and you all just dive in and it's vile and it needs it needs stopping yeah. they're like um i mean they're like that every year and uh, you know we unfortunately get the finger pointed at us uh, when we when we have a pop at Leicester fans of being jealous because they've won a couple of trophies well, it, it in, in recent every, years every club does it doesn't it I mean, I, I, we've but, seen it this week haven't we with both Manchester clubs and the Reds and the yeah, horrific yeah. things that have been going on yeah. on there it's it, it's absolutely grim oh, I'd, I'd, I'd expand it even beyond the, the the serious point that keeps made to the you know you haven't won a trophy since 1995 which is suddenly very important to them um, and you know, we don't need to. You know, we we have contemplated enough about championship life to know that we don't need to hear your shit ah any more than we did tonight. Oh <laughs> no, don't get me started on that. So, double up for the occasions where Keith's so, head has fallen off. Did, in the did you see last week when the whole city supporters did that on a corner? Oh from which Cardiff immediately scored a header and some people want us to go down I'm just, I'm just made up that the clappers got left at home tonight to be fair I didn't see any of them so you know fair play for progress but um, just, just the what got left at home? The, 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 the clappers that they have at the, uh, the <laughs> but um, just, just to go back to the Richarlison point very quickly was that the, the disappointment for me in terms of the chances that he missed was the fact that they're, they're exactly the type of goals that I've been waiting for Richarlison to score but just to go back to what we were saying about Richarlison earlier, I think the the disappointing elements of the chances that he missed for me tonight was that they they were the they were the types of opportunities that I've been waiting for Richarlison to score to prove that he's capable of being this central striking focal point that will longen, you know, regardless of what happens with Carvert Lewin or regardless of what happens with Richarlison even. But if he's to come out with this this notion that he wants to play centrally and be Everton's number nine and striker, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, they're, they're unfortunately the type of bread and butter chances that yeah. you, you, your target man has to put away, isn't it? You know, tap ins at the far post, headers in front of goal. I, I know that Richarlison can can take a ball over the top and take a touch out of his feet and, and strike one in. He's, he's more than capable of that, but you know I'm not going to put a lad down who clearly bleeds this football club and has scored his 50th goal for them tonight but you just you forever want more from him because you know you see how happy it makes him as you said he's the one player that we all feel the emotions that he feels when he misses a chance he's the embodiment of us on the pitch and I'm just made up that it was him tonight who got us a point yeah I mean for all of the Sort of comments that have been made about Dominic Calvert Lewin's performances over the past few weeks. I thought Richarlison really suffered tonight for a lack of a strike partner yeah. until Big Sally Rondo came on, <laughs> and that was the moment when like he actually did start to move about 
few of the defenders got dragged around with Rondon. Rondon got a few headers, flick-ons, and eventually he got that one scuffed chance, which you know got us that point. So I think, I mean, the guy who was sat next to me kept saying that we should be playing Damari Gray up next to him just to have another body, which I thought was a bit of a mad left-field shout. But just anyone really. I mean, if it's got to be Rondon, it's got to be Rondon. But he needs someone to play off the shoulder off because that's when he makes his space. That's when he gets behind the defenders. When he's just two against one, they can just contain him. And we saw it all night. Like, Iwobi had a couple of times when he was trying to feed through balls to him. And he'd sort of, he'd shape his body to make the pass. And before he could even get his foot on the ball, Richardson had moved behind the defender, made his run, and the defender was just there just to accept it straight away because he was on his own and he was two against one. So he needs that strength partner, I think. And just to finish off, one player they want to speak about, Vitaly Mikolenko, Keith. Um, looks very much at home now, doesn't he? You know, but... I think I think we've all sort of looked at him and early in his Everton career and I thought, you know, he struggled a little bit, but last couple of games he's looked like a for a, a Premier League player and given what's going on obviously away from the pitch and twenty two years old, replacing someone like Luca Dean, he's literally got Ashley Cole and Leighton Baines working at the club with him. <laughs> There's a lot of pressure on this lad and it's taken him a little bit of time, but he finally looks like he's starting to deliver, doesn't he? It was another very, very solid performance defensively from him tonight. Um, first and foremost, like he got he got forward well and he, he offers a lot going forward in that he's a body that drags a fullback out the way, even if he doesn't receive the ball, if, even if he doesn't get a chance to put a cross in. I think, it, was it him that put the cross in or was it Gordon that put the cross in that Richarlison missed earlier on? Yeah, Gordon. Yeah, it was Gordon, yeah. But he was, he was up there and he, yeah, yeah. He, he drags a man out of, the, out of position to mark him. So he's got he's energetic, he's he's energy level, he's very good yeah. getting forward, get he gets straight back, he wins a lot of headers for a fullback as well. Like balls up the line and throw-ins, he wins those headers very well. And I thought he looked he looked very assured and he looked very calm on the ball when he had it. He never panicked. There was a lot of players tonight panicked on the ball, didn't know what to do, and they found like the first quick, easy pass to get rid of the ball because they didn't want it. He took the ball in and he got his head up and he looked for the pass and sometimes it didn't come off but a lot of the time it did and I've got a lot of time for that and I think a lot of people have made snap decisions on him and they've sort of decried him early as oh, he's, he's had ropey before, he's not going to be very good. What we need to bear in mind is he's a 22 year old lad. At the end of the day that's not a very old footballer. Like. Yeah experience terms it's his first six months in a new country he's coming not even that that. he's coming to a team that's struggling at the bottom of the league he's replaced a France international who whatever you have to say about Luca Dean was quite a solid player for Everton for the, the course of his career he was dependable and people have like expected him just to step in. He had a high price tag on him as well, and that puts a lot of pressure on a young player. Um, give him time, he'll come good. He looks like a decent footballer, and you can see that he wants to be involved. And he want like he was tenacious, isn't he? Like he's very yeah. He he fights for every ball. He's not one of them. He won't stand off a man. He won't like let a man have loads of room to bring the ball down. He'll be right up behind him and pressuring him. Even if he doesn't throw a tackle in, he'll, he'll like put his physical presence in there to make his winger do something with the ball or he'll tackle him. And I think there's a lot to be said for that. And one thing I've noticed about him, 
and I don't, think, I don't know if any of you have picked up on this, is he does not dive into a tackle. Yeah, yeah. He, I've not seen him yet, like, throw himself into a sliding tackle that he couldn't win. He stands himself up until he knows that the ball's there to be won, and then he goes for it. And that's a very rare skill in a fullback, and you don't see it very often, especially in the younger ones, because they're all very keen and very passionate, and they all throw themselves in. He reads the game quite well, and I think give him a bit of time, especially if, if we were to stay up this season, give him, give him the pre-season and whatnot next year. Give, he'll, have, um, he'll have, what's his name, the young lad uh, in Kung Ku behind him next season to learn. There'll be less pressure on him that he has to play every week. I, th- I think we've got a very our hands on a very real footballer there if we give him the time and just have a bit of patience with him. It's, it's unfortunately an area of the pitch we've just been eternally spoiled with it in our in our lifetime as Evertonians yeah. really haven't we with a combination of Baines and Dean you know it's Rash Goff who, who did very well there I'll stand by that um, but it, yeah I mean for all of the reasons that I've just said and that you said earlier Matt in terms of the people that he's working with at the club it, it, the expectation is absolutely there but I think his main sense is, as you both said, come defensively. Um, the thing I like about him as a fullback is that there's a notable urgency to win the ball. I think if Leicester's centre arse, for example, have got the ball tonight and they do try and find the right winger, he's he's right there on their on their first touch. And I think we've we've been a little bit passive this season, um, not not only in that in that fullback region, but in particular in midfield as well, in terms of just letting opposition teams have that extra bit of time to pick their pass and he is someone who absolutely doesn't do that obviously the next the next dimension of his game to, to develop certainly in this league is not playing that simple ball inside being a, a little bit less safe with his attack and play um, potentially getting beyond the left winger at times which I think albeit with a bit of hesitancy he, he looked to do in particular in the first half um, you know in and around that Gordon creation creating a chance for Richarlison there was a good five or ten minute spell there where Mikalenko was heavily involved in in the build-up play looking to get to the byline which is again not not to draw constant comparisons but something that Leighton Baines was very good at Um, he almost needs a blanket ban on playing that simple five-yard ball inside and just (laughs) just asking him to do that little bit more with it but for, for so many reasons at the moment but most notably because he's come from a very dominant side in a in a fairly poor league to a, a, a pretty poor side in a, a league that he's going to be pretty much dominated every week um, and, and that's just you know throw the price tag and, and all of the other narrative away at the moment about this player he, he's taken an enormous step up in his job and it is going to take him a while to acclimatise but he, he looks ten times the player that I thought he would have been yeah. if we go back. You know, if we go back a few weeks and if I think about his debut that he made at Hull and I spent the entire game making excuses for the lad, to be honest, um, because he, he looked like he was absolutely terrified of of, of the ball being anywhere near him. Um, you know, to, to think that he might be an integral part of not only this season but for future Everton seasons to come. I, I thought we were. I thought we were a lot of work away from saying that, so massive credit to him. Yeah, fair dues to Vitaly Mikolenko. Fair dues to Everton, stuck at it tonight. Got a one-all draw. <sighs> and it's a derby next, you know, straightforward. Nice what, yeah, Matt, that is completely unnecessary. We didn't <laughs> need that. Why, why have you brought that up now? We're, we're trying to have a nice night. We're trying to 
you know, we've got to cover all the bases. We can't pretend the game's not happening. Can't I was going to throw in a nice little point there. Here's to our first draw in over four months of football. That is insane. I mean, do you know what? It, 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 that's really interesting, but it, it, it is important that we know how to draw games. Yeah. Because it, it does feel as though, you know, primarily because of the massive contrast between home and away performances we are flipping a coin every time we go out on the pitch at the moment to see what Everton shows up if we draw two away games then we're probably okay aren't yeah. we now yeah, yeah absolutely so well yeah I'd, ra- I'd rather we drew the away games than the whole ga- home <laughs> games so that's by the by um, but what you said there like we can't pretend the derby isn't happening that is exactly how I plan to approach the weekend. <laughs> I am pretending it's not happening. I am taking the dog out for a big walk on the beach. I'm leaving my phone in the house. I am having absolutely nothing to do with it. And well, don't, don't be mental. Don't forget the Burnley games on before, and you need to. You yeah, need to Burnley, watch Burnley. Burnley Wolves. We all watch yeah, Burnley yeah. now. Oh no, I'm not. I'm having nothing to do with that either. <laughs> absolutely nothing, unless Everton are involved and it's not against Liverpool. I. Have, I want nothing to do with football for the rest of the season <laughs> if you want to go for a walk with Keith and his dog on the beach on Sunday get in touch at the Blue Room EFC on Twitter I'm sure I'm sure there'll be a group of people who will quite happily go and do that Max, Max is very friendly and he will appreciate like people who want to come for a like if you're feeling down about Everton come and hug a dog do you know what I mean it makes you feel a lot better he's a very nice dog and he will appreciate your hugs and Let's be honest, it's better than watching Everton at the tin mine. There we go. Uh, dog therapy and the toffees, that's what we do here on the Blue Room. Uh, last gaspies, last gaspy guys tonight for the Blues. Uh, we go on, there's six games to go. Oh, seven, seven games to go, seven games to go. We've got four away, three at Goodison. It's going to be a grim and dramatic ride to the finish, but cheers to the Moors, cheers to Matt, cheers to Keith. For joining us on that instant match reaction. Up those toffees for speaking again next time here on the Blue Room. I think that's good to go. <laughs> yeah, just, honestly, just lash that out there. I am sorry, I honestly. I- with the new Chevy Silverado, you might be driving in this. But with the Silverado's redesigned interior and large infotainment screens, it'll feel more like this. Introducing the new 2022 Chevy Silverado. Find new upgrades. Find new roads. Chevrolet. Sports Social Podcast Network.